Welcome to Empire Building, the podcast where we talk about building big businesses and even bigger lives. I'm your co-host, Wendy Papazian. I'm Seychelle Van Poole. I'm Via Williams. And I'm Sarah Reynolds. Today, we are going to talk about what can be an intimidating topic for some. And then for others, sort of like myself, we geek out over this kind of topic. (laughs) Um, And so it depends on which camp you're in. We are talking to both of you today. But I remember the very first time someone said P-I-T-I to me as a realtor, right? They were like, what's the Mm P-I-T-I? What's the (laughs) P-D? And my, my face was like, what? And I remember calling my lender at the time saying, they said something like P-I-T-I, like, what is that, right? And I felt intimidated because I didn't know what in the world they were talking about. I love that. Right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And I learned what that was, which is principal interest, taxes, and insurance. That's not what we're talking about today. But the point is, is I think we have all had moments where we feel intimidated, insecure, that Mm -hmm. we don't know what we're doing, right? We've all had those moments. Do you want my moment? Yes. Yes. Let's hear it. I was sitting in a meeting with a whole bunch of people. Uh, like my first day of this new big role, it was almost three years ago, very first day. All these bankers have flown in from out of town and they're going on and on about BIPs. And, you know, I am not a mortgage loan officer, so I don't deal in BIPs. And I'm like, BIPs, B- BPS is that? Anyway, a BIP is 0.01%. So it's like a basis yep. point and it's how you calculate mm-hmm. a lot of things. But I felt so dumb. I was like, okay, I need to know what BIPs are. And oh, like, I've never even know, heard I of that. Whip out my phone. Yeah, I've, it's I've like never... a very common it's business how they term and they use yeah. it in mortgage a lot. I make fun of them all the time. It's just the percentages. Like, that's yeah. Okay, but they but sound whatever. fancy. Okay. Yes, <laughs> they do sound fancy. That was my dumb moment. I just thought I'd share. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, we are going to talk about something that can be intimidating to talk about, but something that is crucial to building an empire which is to know your profit and loss statement, mm-hmm. also known as your P&L, right? Um, P&L. Uh, so we're going to talk about basics today. And we're, our job today is to simplify it for you. So to make something that can feel intimidating for many um, and to make it as simple as we can. And to also share some real life stories of us on our journeys with our P&L statements and things like that. So before we started off, would one of you like to share what the P&L is? Sure. It's just really your company's uh, statement of profit, right? The money that you're making and loss as portrayed over time. And so you can get a very simple uh, P&L. It might be a P&L that you get at the end of the year. And that might be where you start is you just get what a snapshot of what your business looks like for the whole year. You might be looking at a P&L that you get every month, and then you can compare it month over month. And then when your business has been around for a while, you can actually get a P&L that compares how you did in, say, January of 2021 to January of 2020. It's just a way to look at your business and check the profitability. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can use fancy software systems like QuickBooks or things like that. Or honestly, you can just track it in Excel. You can download all your credit card expenses or all your expenses and just make these categories that we're going to give you in Excel too. So don't feel like you have to like go crazy with how you create this. The simpler, the better. Yeah, it's one... So just to be clear, it's one place where you have all of your income, right? All of your revenue of your business. And in that same place, you also are housing all of your expenses. And then it equals out to be a number, right? Revenue minus expenses equals out to be a number that is hopefully profit. 
sometimes it can be loss. That's why it's called a P&L because it depends on what the bottom line is, right? Um, and I think we've all had times where it's not, we don't love the bottom line, but the first step is to know the bottom line. I think most of us in the beginning manage our business through our bank account. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do I have money in there oh, or yeah. not? Can mm-hmm. I afford to spend it yes. or not? Yeah. yeah well, exactly. And, I, and yeah. I know that for a long time for me, I even though I got a P&L, I never looked at it because I didn't, I didn't know how to look at it. Um, so I knew I was supposed to have one and I paid a bookkeeper to give it to me and I would sort of open it up and and, and maybe look at it. But honestly, I really, I didn't want to know. I, I really didn't want to yep. know as, as, and then, oh, as, I get that. and then as my business mm-hmm. was growing, I remember just like waking up and thinking about the money I was spending and the money that was coming in and not really knowing what was what, or if I, if I was going to have enough money you know, I can remember there were times, especially when I was pouring money back into my business and hiring people, there were people on my team who actually were making more money than me, you know, making mm-hmm. more profit yep. than me. Mm-hmm. And it was all really very scary, honestly. It was real yes. scary. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it reminds me of net worth journey of, you know, when mm-hmm. you and I recently talked about our net worth journey and there is a fear in knowing. You almost just don't want to know. Most business owners, especially sole proprietors, we just operate like, is there money in the account? Am I mm-hmm. basically in my head making more than I'm spending? And that's mm-hmm. that's enough for most people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, just my view of it and what has helped me with the subject is really, you know, being a good steward of what is given to us. And so all of our businesses have been given to us. And what is a business is numbers. That is what actually defines what a business is. And so it's so important. And as your business grows, this is one area that I've had to be very intentional about getting better Mm -hmm. at and learning more and being purposeful. And I think, A, none of us started that way. So I want to be clear to our listeners that all of us have been on our own sort of journey with this. And we'll be sharing some of the things that we've learned, but the key is to start, right? What we're going to encourage you guys to do is to start. You know, that's such a good point, Sarah. And as an entrepreneur, oftentimes you're just really good at your job. And so the like many people don't go to business school before they become an entrepreneur or a great salesperson or great at whatever craft that they're at. They just jump in and start doing. And so you're, you're so right that you, this is an intentional study that you have to get good at. Because oftentimes, entrepreneurs don't start by taking finance classes to start their business. They start by doing. And uh, this is something you have to go back and play catch up on many times. Yeah. And I think this is especially important if you're a woman, because not not because women need more help, but because everybody needs help in this area. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we think that we're not going to be good at it. And I can remember I took Keith Cunningham's four-day MBA and I walked in there and there's a hundred people in that room and probably about 85% of them are men. And instead of feeling like sort of self-righteous, my big aha was that these guys don't know what they're doing either. Mm-hmm. They yeah. absolutely don't yeah, know the what they're, they're there. They, they, the fact that they're there, they're taking four days, you know, the, it's very expensive. It was like $4,000 or whatever this thing cost, $7,000. And I was just like a big aha for me. I was like, well, these guys, these guys all run businesses too. They don't know what they're doing. And yet here they are, you know, embracing the suck and figuring it out so that they can do better. Mm-hmm. You know, it was huge for me. Totally. Yeah. All right. So let's dive into the main categories. So what are the main categories on every business's PL? And we run different businesses um, on the podcast. And so these categories are across any business. Mm-hmm. 
um, mm-hmm. that, that is operating. So the first yeah. thing is our favorite one to talk about. <laughs> Revenue. 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 Yeah. Revenue. Okay. Snaps and that's to revenue. <laughs> yes. yes that's, that's Without revenue, the PL is sad. Yes. <laughs> Bunch of salespeople on a on a podcast. Yeah. We're like, revenue. <laughs> Seriously. It's like, how many times do we go to real estate conferences and they're like, my gross commission income is? Yeah. And it's like, no one's you're like, your top line, line revenue, of which you see 50% of at best, is. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I once uh, was on a panel with this guy and he was like, I don't worry about the bottom line. He's like, I figure if I can sell enough homes and get the top line right, then surely the bottom line will like follow suit. And I'm like, this no, is not field of no. dreams. Okay, I think most people, I think most, most sales people, people are like that. that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know. So I was like, no, no, no. Oh, no, my goodness. Please no. stop listening, audience. Stop no. listening, right? No. Um, Did you so put your muffs on? The fun part. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Revenue is the fun one. Um, and then the I dare second- you on a panel to go earmuff, earmuff. <laughs> <laughs> I take that as a personal challenge. I will totally. 100%. I'm making you do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course, in Sarah fashion, I was like, that's awesome. And <laughs> you got to make sure because sometimes you can spend more than what comes in, guys. Uh, so the second one is costs of goods sold, right? In our industry, in our main business that we ha- we all run, right? It's cost of sale. So anything mm-hmm. that is spent at the time of sale is the way purchase. that I like to yeah. look at that, right? Mm-hmm. The time of purchase. Um, and if it's you're not in fixed, like a Sarah, so it's only spent if there's a sale. Correct. Correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And so, like commissions out, if you have people like salespeople that work for you and you pay them a commission when they close a sale, like that would be a cost of sale. Yep. Now, some businesses that have inventory, it can be the cost of producing the product. And how that helps you is that that is inventory on another financial document called your balance sheet, because that's then an asset, right? But you still are spending money on that item. In our world, it's it doesn't cost until the actual sale occurs. Right. Okay. Business yeah. services effectively. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Right. The third is your operating expenses. So your biggest typical operating expense in many businesses are salaries. Your employees, salaries, mm-hmm. and leases, always. Mm-hmm. And these are yep. these are fixed costs, right? These are yep. things that month over month that whether, whether you, you sell, sell anything. anything, they're still going to be there. So whether you sell a home, if you're in real estate this month or not, those operating expenses are going to be there. Your rent, the salaries, that doesn't go away if you don't sell if you don't sell a house. So I recommend not to interrupt, but I I put occupancy under a different category because it is the most fixed cost a business can have. And how I define fixed, how I define fixed is like you have a contract in place. So like a lease in place to where if the market, like if your business isn't doing well, you can't cut that that. It's very hard to cut it because you've agreed to pay it for a certain period of time, if that makes sense. And so Salaries, I view that as a potential. I could make adjustments if I needed to, but it's important not, for you to I'm know not what saying, it costs well, I'm not, to operate. I'm not saying that rent belongs in the salary category. That's not what I was saying. Just FYI. It's just oh, a no, fixed I, expense. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I knew I knew that, Mindy. Okay. Well, <laughs> what I was my, saying was that it's... A, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Here's an example, though, for, for a lot of our listeners are in real estate and, and our primary business is a real estate. So an example of a cost of sale might be a transaction coordinator that you pay as a closing service. They only get paid out of escrow, for instance, when something closes. But a, a, an executive assistant that, that's a full-time employee, that would be a, an operating expense, a salary. So just to kind of give you, you, you know, an example of what that might look like. Yep. My point of bringing that up is I like to know worst case. If, if everything tanks, my job is to protect the business. Yeah, and so the way that I look at it is salaries can be adjusted, right? You can let people go if someone, if the business isn't doing well, right? But if you've signed a contract that you're going to pay something every month, then I put that, I, I really watch my occupancy charges because that is such a fixed cost. It's very hard to adjust. Yeah. And based on my research, that's actually what takes businesses under the One, most. Yes. Releases. Yep. Yes. Especially the bigger um, you so, get. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and luckily for most of us, probably probably the most of the listeners out there, you you're probably in a. If you are paying uh, rent, you're probably in an office uh, in your market center, and that's not necessarily fixed. I know for us, we're, right. on a, we're on a 30-day kind of, <laughs> kind of thing. Correct, Wendy. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's also why we like to own a huge our, benefit of our real money. estate. Yeah. It's a huge benefit to being uh, you know, affiliated with a big... You know, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Technology is a big operating expense, right? You have to have certain technology to operate. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's, that's a big one as well. But what are the things that you, to operate your business, you have to have, right? People, what technology you have to have, copiers, like, you know, anything that you need is equipment. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And then after that, you know, is your marketing, your advertising, your lead generation. It's what makes the phone ring. And so, you know, those, especially in times of crunch, you need to get really specific about which ones are making the phone ring and which ones are vanity to decide which ones you really want to keep and which one, you know, and double down on those and and cut the ones that are just feel good. Yes. Yep. This is the biggest one for return on investment um, that you want to be tracking, which is more of a later step than basics, but it's really important to make sure that any dollar you're spending that leads to lead generation or marketing, that you're able to turn that into some type of return. And so that's the one category that I recommend you start focusing on first on your P&L to make sure that you get a return. And then one of my coaches had me do every item, which was very interesting yeah. to try to create the return on I the I was copier. hoping you were going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's your return on this copier? Uh, <laughs> uh, that was a hard exercise, um, but it was eye-opening, right? So you take all of those things, you take your revenue minus your cost of goods sold or cost of sales, minus your operating expenses, minus your lead gen, minus your occupancy, right? And then that becomes your net income. That's awesome. So those are the main so, basic categories. So you put it together, right? And then and then what do you do with this PNL? Like what are some of the things that you should be doing once you get your PNL created? Because it's a, you know, like we're giving you like snap claps, round of applause. You have your PNL created. What next? The most basic thing that you can do is, and, and I've done this with some of my coaching clients, is when they get their PNL, I ask them to walk me through it. Um, and it's a very simple exercise. And so if you don't have a coach, you can ask somebody else to ask you this, which is, hey, Seychelle, walk me through your PL. And mm-hmm. it's just accountability for you to go through something that's kind of boring line by line. And inevitably what happens when they are walking through the PL is they come up with questions like, oh, wait, 
What's that? Where did that come from? What is that? Or I'll ask those questions. You know, what was that $1,100 that you spent on such and such? And so that exercise alone, if you don't do anything else with your P&L, that alone Mm -hmm. is going to give you so much clarity around what you're spending and where the money's going. When we went into uh, the down, the big downturn last time, so sort of been in Texas right at the end of 07, we, my family had a like crisis where I lost like my business partner and our market tanked in a matter of like seven days from each other. And as mm. a, how old was I? 24. I was now running a business by myself and had never reviewed a PL before. And I'm standing in Starbucks and, um, one of our longtime friends who was a CPA turned realtor was standing in front of me, Trey Williams. And he's like, Hey, Seychelle, how are you? And like all of this chaos is going on. And I just remember looking at him with my 24 year old eyes going, I am not good. And he was like, What's going on? And so I told him what was happening. And he goes, You know what we need to do? If you're going to, if you're going to thrive, and move forward, we need to look over your PL. And at that point, I was like, we have one. He was like, do you know where it is? I was like, no idea. <laughs> and so I got it. And he, to Wendy's point, was so gracious. He sat down with me over coffee and he said, I'm going to sit down every week with you for six weeks. And you're going to bring red pens in your PL and buy me coffee. And I'm going to give you my time and we're going to teach you how to review a PL every week and we're going to redline your expenses you don't need and you're going to get educated and you're going to learn it. And to Wendy's point, everybody needs someone that can sit with them or Zoom with them or call with them and walk with you through your PL. And it was one of the single best things that ever could have happened to me in the middle of that crisis at 24 was teaching me how to understand and look at a PL because every time we've had chaos since then, it's been a huge gift to know what to do in those moments. I love that story. And I, I remember that story from one of our early, I think our one of our origin podcasts. Yep. Know your numbers. Our most yeah. popular no, podcast was, of was, all times, wasn't it? Oh no, it was the origin the one. one. Yeah, you're right, Vian. The origin, origin one. Yeah. It was the origin one. And I thought about you, say, because, you know, I took this role, this new role three years ago in executive mm-hmm. leadership. You know, it was just a big mm-hmm. leap for me. And I, I came into it. And my weakness was definitely the financials. Sure. And so I was kind of ready to dive into it and COVID hit. And, and I kind of feel like COVID just yeah. threw me back a year. And so, you know, go back two months now, current, we're, we're recording this around Father's Day. And I was like, it's time, you know, it is time for me to kind of enter this. So I scheduled uh, to sit next to our controller, our company controller for the next three, we hard close every month, which is a little Mm -hmm. bit unusual. So uh, for the next three transmittals, monthly transmittals, I'm driving up 90 minutes up to Bellingham and I'm going to sit side by side. I love it. I signed up for a Harvard uh, online school financial accounting class, six-week class that starts in about two months. Uh, And I'm going to take that simultaneously. I am shadowing our market center administrators. I'm going to do one or two a month over the next few months. And more importantly, I'm asking a lot of questions. And and I've shared with everybody... Yep. And I've shared with everybody in the organization that this is my um, project, that that I'm focused on it. And so everyone kind of knows like, okay, Via is like diving into the financials now. And it's really funny because everyone's kind of rallied around it. And they're That's inviting awesome. me in and they're, you know, it's really cool. And, and they're almost proactively teaching yes. me. I almost feel like a student right now. And when you become really curious, cool. people, people want to help you. That's the coolest part. So I think the key here and what I'm hearing from all of my co-hosts is that the tactical item is you've got to schedule it. Mm-hmm. If, if you don't take time to put it on your calendar. So what Say said, meeting with him at coffee. 
that was on yep. her calendar Love that she was that. meeting with it was someone. Accountable. It, it, yep. Yes, it was accountable, right? Via putting on her calendar, I'm driving up there three months in a row, right? Um, Wendy with her coaching students on the calendar, we're going to discuss this, right? Don't, a lot of times we just keep going in our business. And if it's not on the calendar, right, it doesn't exist. And so you can't take your most important part of your business, which are the numbers, guys, okay, and not schedule it on your calendar. So get something scheduled. And can I just say that the first time you do it, you will probably feel like you want to throw up, okay? Mm -hmm. And it's not because of, I mean, the numbers could be awesome. Even if the numbers are awesome, it's a lot of using your, stretching your brain and using a muscle that if you're not used to doing, it's very normal to feel sort of discouraged, like you're not doing the right thing. And just know that in the beginning, that's like completely normal. So if this is not a habit for you right now, make it a habit, right? Get it on the Mm -hmm. calendar, right? Um, How that looks in my world is that every month I have a finance meeting with each of the businesses that I'm involved in. Um, My biggest business is longer. It's three hours, right? Because we look at our credit card statement. We look at the P&L. We dive into things. But all of my businesses, it's on the calendar to make sure that I'm taking time to review the numbers. So review the PL. We do that too, Sarah. It's, it's so, it sucks just looking at all it the does. credit card statements and, oh, and yeah. going through everything. It's the most and, high, it's the most high detailed, high yeah. C meeting. It's horrible. That I'm like, yeah, ah, it's horrible. Like, but then it's so, it's so necessary. Well, and I would just um, say, you know, course, you're fine. Well, sorry. I just was going to encourage everyone and say that you're fine. You know, wherever you're at right now is okay. And, you know, it's been a, 10-year journey for me. And I one of the things I mastered first was leverage, you know, and and for a long time, that's kind of how people knew me is I was the person who could talk about leverage. And then mm. I didn't really want to be known as the leverage girl anymore because I feel like it's kind of a it's kind of a girly thing to be known for. Mm. And so then I made a purposeful decision to, you know, start talking about wealth building and talking about finances and profitability. And I kind of turned down some of the leverage stuff. And, you know, I just did a, a, a speech on Inman this week on profitability. And Sarita was telling me that there was a, a round table of like 12 women and they were all just like, like my session was like their favorite, which was so funny because I just kind of threw it together. Awesome. But it was like a big aha for me because I was like, wow, that's been my journey, right? Where here I was um, probably like four years ago, I'd never taught wealth building or anything like that. And now this is what people know me for. And so you can yeah, be awesome. very intentional about some of those things, yes. you know? Yeah. And I know that you guys already mentioned sort of the tactical item number two, but surrounding yourself with people and advisors. Like I remember when my payroll got to be six figures mm-hmm. a month. That was a scary moment in my business. And I was losing sleep. I would wake up I was, and I was like, what if I make the wrong decision? I'm responsible to pay the and guys. People, this is so her monthly one. payroll. I know. Yes. Monthly right? payroll. Yeah. Oh no. Now yeah. it's now it's every payroll as well. Oh, love, but okay. this was when it first got to monthly. Yeah. 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 yeah, no, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's some people are probably insane, thinking guys. like, oh my gosh, like your yearly payroll in is six years. figures. Yeah. 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 yeah monthly. You know, this monthly. is when it first got to monthly. Yeah. Yeah. I it will was, say a lot. That oh my gosh, Sarah, that's so true, and like. One thing that I think about is be careful of which profit you follow on this and make sure that the profit you follow also has profit 
with yes. P-R-O-F-I-T because I there are a lot of people. You see what I did there? That was really good. I was, I I was trying to channel my good. inner Wendy with that. I'm so proud. <laughs> I get good. like one, one a I season. I just felt like I had to acknowledge um, I saw what you did. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but we see a lot of people out there that have great revenue and actually lose money every year and are actually paying yes. to keep their business afloat and make no profit. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So just be real careful who you're following and make sure you understand what their actual bottom line looks like, not just the top line. And for me, it was when I had that that moment, say for me, it was like, Mm -hmm. I needed someone that that's their only job. Yeah. And so I hired a coach and I said, your only job is to help me make sure I'm watching my P&L very closely. Love that. And we're going to look at it every month and you're going to help me. And so if you... Some of you need that. And it's oh, yes. like just like I need it, right? I need it yeah. today. Um, and so we hire an advisor. Get Surround mm-hmm. yourself with people that can help you, right? Yeah. And, and I know we're going to go on to number three, but I want to just nail that point down. And that is consistency. When we talk yes. about scheduling time for it every month, the only way in my mind, I'm listening to you all, and, and I know my story, is just month after month of consistency. You do learn over time. When you're looking at these every single month, you pick it up. And then you, if you layer on advisors on top of that, you know, leverage advisors or whatever, it's a winning, that's a winning combination, right? Love that. Going into number three, ladies, which is rely on proven models. Yes. So what I love about models is models give a roadmap to like mm-hmm. what percentage of your income should be each of the categories we went over. And so what's nice when you have that roadmap, when you have that model in front of you, in your very first few finance meetings, and when you're reviewing it, just calculate the percentage of each of the categories and see where you're at compared to the model. And then that would give you a guide and help you with budgeting, which was very hard for me. It still actually is hard for me, budget, budgeting is. Me too. But it, it helps me have a guide because, okay, that's the percentage that the model says that I should be in rent, for example, uh, based on my income. Yeah, then right? you don't have to but reinvent you can the wheel. create your own model. Well, that's not yes. a model then. yep. Well, it, it, but not everybody has a model. Like, I mean, like there's a lot of businesses that don't have, you know, I'm mm-hmm. just trying to. I have a story via that goes, goes with this yep. that Gary really helped me with. And we were actually on stage at Family Reunion last, uh, last year when we had this conversation. And he said, models are roadmaps. It doesn't mean that you have to follow it to a T, right? Because I know that as women, Comparing our PL to men who have stay at home wives. There we go. But we yeah. have to pay for leverage for our business, right? At home, we can't compare the two because we our our yep. worlds are different, right? That's right. And he said it's just a roadmap. The model, the profit and loss model is a roadmap. But of mm-hmm. course, you could determine what works for your situation in the time that you are in your life. You did say something good that I, I just kind of wanted to circle back on. And it's something that has helped me a you lot. You sound and surprised, Bia. I know. I was like, oh, thank God. Sarah finally <laughs> said something good. Finally something good. <laughs> Not Usually at such all. BS that comes out of her mouth. <laughs> oh, my God. You know what? People, this is a heart like a, a, year, a, year <laughs> a heart. We shouldn't have let you proud. sleep in. 
<laughs> they help me sleep in today. Um, no, it's it's percentages. I think that when you talk about models, and I guess you're right, Wendy, I, I guess framework model, whatever it is, percentages help me a lot where I can kind of look at variances of percentage. So if you're going to have different sales because you have, say, seasonal adjustments. So if you're going to have different sales and you're going to have different cost of sales every month, it helps me to have a P&L that's broken down with percentages so I can see if there's a variance on the percentages because the actual amounts are going to differ, right? And you you touched on it. And I think that we should like make sure, nail that in. It's a great place to start is to kind of understand what percentage of each cost sector should be part of the total. Yeah. And then, you know, if we move, if we move to the next point, which is this is how most businesses actually go under, is you need to watch what you're committing to and what fixed expenses you're putting in your business very closely. Because that is how you get stuck with a shift in a market or a downturn in a market. And all of a sudden you look up and you have expensed your way out of business because you have committed to too many fixed expenses that are too high, hedging on growth that you don't have yet. And um, now all of a sudden, you know, they, what is it? They, um, what's the tide quote that we use where it's a... Uh, Oh, dang Rising tide lifts all ships, but that's no not, the other one. It's it. when the tide comes in. Everyone, you see who all is skinny. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. When the tide goes out, out, you see who all is skinny dipping. Yeah, there we go. I got something it. Something like that. Um, that's good. Yeah, yeah it's something yeah, like that. I love good. that. Yeah, no, and that's huge. And I just have a quick story to share to illustrate that. I went on a listing appointment once, and it was with some local business owners here in Austin. And I, I actually didn't know them. They were a referral from somebody else. And they told me that they, the reason that they were selling their house is because they had signed a lease for their business mm. that was basically oh. dragging them under. Yeah. And, and it was kind of funny because they had actually read the one thing and they said, well, we read this book and now we're going to simplify and we're doing all these things. I was like, oh, what's the book? And they were like, the one thing. I'm like, oh, well, I'm, oh. I'm your realtor. But that was just a really good example. You know, so they ended up selling their house in the best neighborhood in Austin and moved into one of our rental properties for about six mm. years until they were mm-hmm. able to get out from under that lease. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I that's that's a that's a great story though. I mean, that'll stick with people. I think uh, when I'm coaching other agents or business owners, I often have this conversation about how cost of goods sold is such a great way to go because you know there's not fixed overhead. It's often more expensive. It is so more there's expensive. a big there's a tough decision process in a lot of ways when we're running businesses. Is when do you go to fixed? When do you hire the person? When do you move from a variable cost of goods sold expense? to downgrade the total expense, but then it's fixed. And and the example I gave is that I was paying a transaction coordinator about $500 a file when I was growing my my real estate team. And there was a point where, you know, we were looking at, I don't know anymore, 10 or 15 pending down the pipeline. I could see them coming. And I started going, okay, this is a salary. And what I could do with a full-time employee is eight more things, right? Mm-hmm. That was a time, that was the time where I added a second admin where revenue was leading. I could see the pipeline. It was such an incredible expense lowering decision. I felt confident. I had money in reserves. So so making these decisions between going from cost of sale into fixed expenses is tough because fixed expenses are often lower and on the bottom yep. line, you know? Yep. It's tough. So my rule for that via is a three month trend, not in the highest sales quarter of your business. So for us, yeah, high sales that. is typically That's good. second. That's love good. that quarter. Framework, Sarah. If really I see good. a three-month trend where it would call, it would save me money to go fixed, 
I will make that decision to do that. Um, so that's how I, and never in like your best month ever. <laughs> it can't be that. <laughs> it's got to be the trend, right? Three months in a row of to where it would have cost you less to have it fixed. That's my um, new thing. No, that's my I new love thing. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. New rule. Yes. So watch fixed expenses, uh, just as they said. And then of course, how we sort of started, we wanted you, we want you to start, right? The fifth sort of tactical thing is don't, don't be intimidated. Just start, right? Get it on your calendar. Mm-hmm. Take a look at all those numbers. And yes, it's intimidating, but the first step is to take the first step. And if you haven't taken the first step and this is new for you, this is going to be some accountability for all of you listening. I want you to write a comment on our on this episode. I want you to comment and let us know you started because we want to cheer you on and we want to celebrate you and encourage you um, that you are starting your P&L journey. That's so exciting. Yes. And one, to wrap us up, uh, one of my favorite quotes uh, from Zig Ziglar, who's one of my love him in sales and leadership. He says, you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to be great. Mm-hmm. So just start love to that. be great. So, well, guys, this was an awesome episode. I could go on and on and on, which we're not oh, going yeah. to. Okay. <laughs> uh, but the, the key here is get started, learn the PL, surround yourself by people that will push you to do that. And each month, each day, you'll get better and better. And then before you know it, you'll look up and you're having a big business and also a big life. Bye, guys. Love that. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to Empire Building. If you like what you heard, join our tribe by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform and help us spread the word by leaving a five-star rating and review. Until next time, wishing you a life worth living. And remember, you are an empire builder.